Well, thank you all for praying for us, Elizabeth asked during my break, a break which um, uh, we enjoyed. Yes, yes, please, thank you. A break which uh, we thoroughly enjoyed. Now, during my break, I, I had quite a few tasks. Number one, I had to empty and tidy the garage or the garage, depending from where you're coming from. <laughs> and this was upon Elise's command, backed by Carmen. Carmen, at the end of the service, uh, on that last Sunday before my break, said, now listen to me. Tied the garage, empty the garage, switch off your phone, do you hear me? <laughs> so when you have at least the two powerful women trying to talk to you, you better do that. So I did that. The other thing I did, by God's grace, I attended three um, services within the Baptist uh, circle, one in Glen Rotes, uh, the other one in Pitlochry, and then the last one in Wishaw. And it was great. In all these services, I got uh, some affirmation, and one of them, a pastor preached, I won't tell you which church, preached for 40 minutes. And I thought, ha ha, I'm not alone. <laughs> the welcome in every church was great. And in one of those churches, and Elizabeth and I at the end of the service, uh, straight away we were invited for lunch. And we end up spending the afternoon with this wonderful couple that some of you know, uh, John Greenshield and his dear wife, uh, Rosemary. I got a lot we observed. We got kids here, which is great, but none of, in this church we, we visited, had any kids talk, although kids were there. Well, a lot also we have in common in every church, there was a sense of tremendous joy, but also none of the church is without a problem or crisis within them. For instance, in one of the church, I heard from the Sunday school teacher, which is the equivalent of uh, um, our children talk, our children church here. A kid asked a teacher while they were in their time to pray for him because his parents were separating. To that request, another child said to the helper, what is parent separations? Problem questions. But the other thing I did, the first Saturday when I was waiting for Elise to have her break so that we can take off, is that I had the privilege, this came out of the blue, I went to the Highlands with a few friends of the, in the church on my first Saturday, and the picture is on the screen. And you know, you know them, some of them. Look at their faces. And it was great, a picnic under the leadership of Jeha, who's sitting there, and Unwa. Great respect for them looking after these uh, youngsters. And so what we did, not only have a great time, yes, but also we worshipped. Next screen coming. We worshipped. 
and I discovered quite very uh, many people with talent there. It was great. And among these friends, I also observe they have a joy, but many of them has, have problems, just like any one of us here have problems. And uh, they have uh, questions where they are longing for answers. And because they are away from home, and I get it, and many of us here, students are away from home, or some of us have immigrated here. And I said, these folks, and frankly all of us, need a bit of encouragement. Encouragement, but also some answers to our various questions. Just like the question of that child and the question they have. Some of our questions are more vocalized, others are based, are asked inwardly. Now, the church of these Christians in Thessalonica, they were very stressed out believers. And these stressed out believers needed encouragement. As they were, we heard it last Sunday for our dear brother, David Moffitt here who preached, as they were facing severe persecution and trials, suffering, and some of these suffering were from their own people. Even though it doesn't say in the scripture that they were asking a question, but I think it is without a doubt that when you go through challenging time, questions arise. And I'm sure they were asking various questions because these challenging times, suffering and, and trials, some of these trials also and the difficulties, many of them have lost, as we heard last Sunday, have lost some of their relatives. And perhaps they were asking, why should we suffer this way? Why some people are so hostile to us? Where is God in all this suffering? When our trials will end? Why persecutors or those who trouble us go on unpunished? Where is the justice? I think not only them, but we all also fail to fully appreciate the leading of God. And as we question why God sometimes invades our privacy with a harsh set or difficult circumstances. But I think from our limited perspective, we cannot see the reason behind the divine intruders' involvement in our lives. Paul was concerned, as we saw it last Sunday, he was concerned that these believers, as they suffered, many of them would, could be unsettled as the tempter was uh, just, just at the doorstep. So they needed encouragement, some encouragement. 
they needed some answers to their questions. Now, this encouragement and some of these answers came to them through Paul's prayers for them. Through Paul's prayers for them. And this is where we are learning also how to pray from Paul's prayer. But this morning, I, I was praying that as we look at this, we may first of all be encouraged. We may be encouraged as we have also some deep-seated questions in our lives. And of all Paul's prayers, there is something which is, comes on the screen that is uh, very important. As we learn from Paul's prayers, to pray from Paul's prayers, in all our praying, there must be at the heart of it a biblical vision that embraces who God is, what he has done, and still do today. Who we are. Where we are going. What must we value and cherish. If we understand a little bit of who God is. If we take time to ponder on what God has done. And is able to do today and is doing it today. If we take time to ponder who we are and where we are heading, if we take time to begin to see that because of where we are heading, that influences the way we live, then this vision will drive us towards becoming more and more Christ-like. And then this vision will drive us to live our lives in light of eternity. And then this vision will also help us to reach that place where there is this ongoing heart cry from the church to say, even so, Lord Jesus, come. Because that's the finality of everything, the destiny. It is a vision that will shape our prayer. In other words, even when we pray, we begin to cry out for things that are in the heart of God because of who he is, what he has done, what he is continuing to do today, and who we are or who he has made us to be, and where we are heading. Do you know that we are on a journey? And so our values should be shaped by that. Now, how this encouragement came to them, as said already, through prayers of Paul. But before we reach there, there's something important here. First of all, I'm sure these believers who were stressed out because of the persecution must have been tremendously encouraged to learn from Paul from verse 1 already 
that eh, although they were living geographically in Thessalonica, where eh, the problems and the suffering and the everything, they were at the same time living in another place, in another home, in another address, which is eh, their permanent address. And their permanent address, it is in God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 1. To the church of the Thessalonica in God. When you look at every letter Paul writes, this is 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians are the only letters where Paul used this expression, the church of, in God. So friends, let me just say, as you are in St. Andrews or in your place where there is a lot of problems, remember where you are is only a term address. Your permanent address is somewhere else. And it is in God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. It is there that we are secure, that we are living And because we are there, this God stuff may be new to us. But make no mistake, this God where we are in, he's utterly committed to us. Living in God, secure in him, and sharing life in him. They must have been tremendously encouraged to learn that. Spiritually, friends, if you are uh, one who has given the life to the Lord Jesus Christ, hey, wherever you are, even your comfortable bed is not really your home. One day, you'll leave it. But where we are, we are in God. To use another expression Paul used in the Colossians. Since we gave our lives to the Lord Jesus, our lives are hidden in Christ, in God. This understanding can help, can make a huge difference as how we view suffering and the difficulties and how we cope with, uh, with other things in our lives. Secondly, they must have been tremendously encouraged, as I said, to learn that Paul never, never stopped praying for them. Did you not hear from Rachel that uh, she was not only praying alone, but others were upholding her in prayer? And to learn as these believers eh, as, are now receiving this second letter, in the first letter, Paul was praying. And in the second letter, they still read, he has not stopped praying and is praying for them. So I, I want to look at verse 11 and 12 because that's where the prayers is. But as you can see, verse 11 this phrase, the opening phrase, with this in mind, challenge us, and we cannot just jump to 
these uh, two verses without uh, looking uh, what, what he has in mind. With this in mind, this, uh, I will suggest, uh, it's uh, what comes all the way from verse uh, 3 to verse 10. Not only because in our Bibles, there's a kind of like a break between verse 3 and verse 4, and then there's another paragraph in verse 5. But bear with me, this is technical stuff. The reason is, some of the folks here sitting there are reading the Bible in the original language. I know, I'm aware of it. This is sometimes that what makes this church very scary. As, not me, but somebody came, um, the folks who came from Cambridge one day, I think it's Edith who was preaching in the evening, and a few folks from Cambridge. I think they were sitting near Steve, if I may just pick up Steve, he's my friend. And Steve was reading in Hebrew, and they were terrified. And this church people read the Bible in Hebrew and Greek? I said, well, that's how they do it. Uh, so some of the folks sitting here, they are reading, and they know that verse 3 all the way to verse 10 is one sentence. It's a long sentence. So what Paul has in mind here is all that bulk. But yet it's, there's a lot there. But I just I want to pick up two things. N number one, Paul is uh, saying, before I pray for you, I am looking at something that is vital. And as I look at it, I'm so grateful to the Lord. So the first thing is Paul's gratefulness for signs of God's transforming grace in the life of these believers. Paul looks at these believers, he said, I notice something that is so precious in you. There is the grace of God that is so transforming that is empowering you there. And that grace, I see it because, number one, your faith keeps on growing. You know, friends, our faith, because trust, we trust a person, we trust the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about it at the moment. Trust, trusting a person, that trust can either increase or diminish, depending on how the person behaves. But the trust we have in Jesus, because he is faithful and utterly committed, so these believers, the grace they have, their faith in God, their faith in Jesus Christ, God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit kept on growing and growing and growing. Paul is saying, yes, I see this transforming grace in your life. Number two, I see also how your love is increasing. Friends, it's not easy to love everyone. And what struck me in this passage this congregation, not a few believers were loving others, but every one of them was loving the other person. Paul is saying, this is marvelous. Number three, he's saying, I can see that, uh, of course, that's in verse four now. It, uh, it, uh, it put in a different way, framework. But he says, as I look, how you are standing firm, 
in the persecution and how you are persevering, I am so grateful and I can't help it. I have to boast about you to other churches. In other, in other, in other words, think about it. When you receive a letter, something like that, someone saying, I am boasting about you. In other words, hey guys, I'm giving you a pad in the back. Be encouraged even in the middle of your suffering. Faith growing, love deepening and increasing. These trials, Paul say, I cannot help but give thanks. Can you see how he is saying, I know the bad news travel faster, fast, but I cannot help myself but boast about you to others because I, am sh I want to make sure that the good news will travel even faster than the bad news in life. So I'm boasting about you to other people. This is the sign of grace that he sees in these believers. And what struck me is this, friends, is that the way we respond to Trials and suffering can be a headline. The way they responded to this trial and suffering became a headline, what Paul was boasting. Why Paul takes time to thank God for this sign of his transforming grace in their lives? Very soon we shall see this. But let me pause here and ask us a question. What do we thank God for? What have you thanked God for most recently? How can we shape our thanksgiving to God in a in light of Paul's mindset of giving thanks to God. I know here a few people, I won't name them, but they have this faithfulness of every day praying for people here using our church um, diary, which has uh, the names of the people and I encourage you to keep doing that. And if you have not yet, maybe that's a way of praying as well. Stop for everyone and begin to look. What are the signs of God's grace in this person? And maybe you don't know. Come, come on a Sunday morning say, I'm looking for this person. Do you not point me? I won't tell you where we were. But someone was saying, I'm, I'm always confused who's David Jackson and who's David Angus. Because we have so many Davids in the church. And so, you know, things like that take time to stop. And he's David Angus. He's David Jackson. He's David Harrison, definitely. <laughs> and begin to point on uh, what are the signs of grace and mercy that you see that uh, has been uh, blossoming in these people and give thanks to God. 
That can change the way we pray many a time. But the second element is not only looking at signs of God's transforming grace in the life, but Paul, as we said last Sunday, we heard it from our brother David, Paul is confident of the wonderful things to come. And with that, as soon we shall see, he's praying. Look at verse 5 all the way to verse 10. We don't have time to go through that. But you can see that Paul saying, hey, folks, I want to encourage you because there's this vision, vision of the wonderful things to come. He urged these believers to penetrate beneath their problem and see that the, face, the, the challenging they were facing are evidence of God's way of bringing justice. Let me put it this way, um, um, in, in a way that we can see perhaps uh, um, easily to understand. Now, what we see here is difficult to understand because it looks like uh, their suffering uh, will make them worthy of the kingdom of God. But uh, when you do a deep study there, no, because they are not suffering in order to earn eternity, but they have already been called as the children of God. And as the children of God, now they are suffering. And so suffering is uh, an evidence uh, that actually they are already qualified for the kingdom of God. And when you look at chapter 2, verse 13 and 14, they became Christians when they heard the gospel and responded to it. And again, in chapter 1, verse 6, Paul says there in chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians this time, in chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians, verse 6, Paul says, when the gospel came to you, from us, you welcome this gospel gladly. They believed. It's only by coming to the Lord Jesus Christ through faith that one can earn heaven, not through suffering. I won't make that clear. But what Paul is saying here is, uh, I want to encourage you folks because uh, there is a payday coming. I remembered this week uh, um, a story of two farmers, one a believer, another one an atheist. And an atheist was mocking the believer in a very cruel way. And they were both neighbors because apparently the believer was not blessed that so much and it was during uh, Harvest time, which is like a September. And so the atheist turned to the believer said, I thought that if you believe in God and you are a Christian, you will be blessed. Look at me. There is no problem in my life. I have no illness. And my... Uh, Filled as uh, brought quite a lot of crops, but you look at in a very 
disgusting way he was mocking this uh, believer. And the believer turned to him gently and said, well, it's true. He does pay. But it's not always in September. Did you hear that? The Lord does pay, but not always in September during the harvest. The believer was looking towards the time when the really payday will come. When there's going to be a relief beyond belief from all those who are being troubled. And they're going to be also retribution or payback to those who are troubling them. I don't want to go much in detail to this. But look at that. It is there. And uh, Paul is telling them, look, there is, a, there is a, a relief that day beyond belief. And uh, you can see how your mouth will be filled with these marveling ways of saying, wow, we have never seen this before. And to use the language that uh, our dear brother David last Sunday said, is that when we look at uh, the hope that we have in Jesus, that should motivate us to pray for other people. And if that hope, last Sunday we saw it, uh, that uh, when Christ returns, he will return with the saints, with all those who have departed before us, if we are still alive there, looking, he has come with some of our brothers and sisters in Christ. What a reunion. Here, when he comes, one of his first job is to deal with those who are causing trouble to the believers. Don't make a mistake about that. And let me also, once again, challenge each one of us. How comfortable or uncomfortable are we with the whole thinking of God's judgment that one day there will really be a reward for those who are believers and punishment for those who are not believers. And the punishment is, doesn't make me, doesn't give me pleasure to speak about it because look here, they're going to be excluded, shut from eternity, from the presence of the Lord. This should help us to keep praying for our brothers and sisters within our own families, friends who do not yet know the Lord Jesus Christ, but also encourage those who know the Lord when they are going through trials to say, it's only temporary. Now, let me press on quickly and make a point at the end. When we sang this song of uh, face to face with Jesus, I'm just wondering, you know, I've been here in the West for uh, now 18 years. And I'm not saying that in Africa we are better or here, you know, the church is worse, no. But it's just an observation which is acute 
that here in the West, our whole eagerness that the Lord Jesus Christ is returning imminent is beginning to fade or to wane. We are no longer eager that the Lord can return at any time. But for Paul, the anticipation that Jesus is coming soon was real. Because that word gave him hope and motivated him to prayer. Let me emphasize that again. In the way that Paul, our brother David, brought. I thought a brilliant message we had last Sunday. And friends, you saw when the Lord will come. What a rest for the weary. Palms of victory for the defeated. Glory for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And above all, the revelation of uh, that dear presence. The presence of that dear son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord and our brother and our friend, as he is revealed in glory. The presence which you have been in constant, in touch, time and again. What marvelous scenes, friends, the future conceals for us believers. We can't explain them. But I want us to be eager to see. Friends, that the Lord is coming. Because that will help us to truly know what the values, what we value most. Does it not say that if we know that, then we will not, uh, you know, invest into the bank, uh, you know, of this earthly life. But we will more invest more in the bank of heaven, as the Bible says, where moth and rust do not destroy where thieves do not break in and steal. And we will be people who are so living for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Briefly, my last point is the prayer itself. I could go on, but let me just say three things here quickly. Number one, go home and look at what Paul is praying for them you'll find that he's praying for them that they may continue to, to, to grow in their spiritual life because he has found them that uh, even in the middle of their suffering, they are not just sitting idly. They are still heavily involved in various ministries. And look at the, 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 the words there, uh, which he say in verse uh, uh, 11 there. And that uh, he, by his power, you may bring to fruition your every desire, not the desire of God, but the desire of these people for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. In other words, these people are still involved and they have uh, deeds uh, which they are putting their faith in practice. And they are saying, we are the people of power. And we are on a mission, despite of our problems. Friend, do you know that despite of our difficulties, if we also get involved in the, the mission of God's mission in the church, sometimes it does help us to transcend our own problems. 
And Paul is saying, I am eager to pray that God may continue to infuse you with his power. And when he does that, the sky is the limit. But also he said, why am I praying this for? I have only one God. That Jesus may be glorified in you. Bah, also you in him. I can't wait. Not only that day, but even here, as we keep on getting involved to, to, in, the God, in God's mission, Paul's prayer, and we need to pray for one another that Christ, the time and again in our lives, may continue to be glorified. But also we too share the glory. And the Bible tells us we are being transformed from one glory to another. But last but not least, did you notice in a kind way the way Paul put it is like all the prayers I make and all the prayers that you should make, you should totally depend on the grace that is so transforming, the grace of the Lord. To put it differently, it is the grace that qualified you first to be in God. It is the same grace that is producing these things of faith, love, and endurance. It is by grace that uh, you will be led home, finally. And it is by grace that you can endure life here and to keep uh, working. Wonderful, marvelous grace. In other words, friends, our prayer doesn't depend or the answer to our prayers from what I was seeing here doesn't depend on uh, how long I should pray or the style of our prayers. I know our church very well now over the last four years. I've learned quite a few things. Sometimes, if we are honest, we go like this as to what the style of prayer is more preferable. I will say it's okay, but that's rubbish. Prayer is a prayer. Whether it is silent or vocal or long or I don't know. You may be your comfort in your own style, that's great. But it's not your style, it's not my style, it's not no one else's style that will make God to hear us. It's the grace of God. The grace of God. As the song we shall sing. Marvelous grace that gives what I don't deserve. May we rely on that grace as we pray for one another. As the band prepare, let us bow our heads in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. And as we look at Paul's prayer, what a contrast to our own prayers. That many a time can be self-centered rather than kingdom focused. But we pray that you give us that biblical vision 
of who you are, what you have done and what you are able to do today, and what you are doing. Give us that firm conviction of who we are. We are your children, destined for glory in your presence in the new heaven and the new earth. And with that, Lord, help us to endure the suffering that we go through now so that others may be encouraged. We do pray, Father, that you help us to value and cherish what is for eternity, that our lives may be lived in life of you, O oh our God, breaking through the return of Jesus Christ here on earth. And we do pray that you give us that sense of eager, eager anticipation. But above all, O oh help us day by day to rely on grace, grace that found us just as we were, grace that is at work in our lives today, transforming us, grace, 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 God's grace, marvelous grace, pour out your grace among us. Encourage us. And if there's anyone here who has not yet come to know you, oh Lord, as you called these believers through your word, would you call such a person so that one day he or she too may be worth of your calling? And Lord, we plead with you. Be with us. And as we come to the end of our service, singing for your glory, wonderful grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.